Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. We are, uh, my wife and I are, and Banks are gearing up to head down to New York City to do another Today Show appearance, which is always fun. I think this is my seventh or eighth appearance on the Today Show. So always grateful for the opportunity to be on national television uh, with those guys. It's a lot of fun. Heading down there, I'm going to be on the 25th, so what's that, Tuesday uh, at the 9 o'clock hour, I think around 9.30 or something like that. So if you guys are listening to it this week, you can catch me there. You can always watch all of my appearances on YouTube somewhere, I think, on the Today Show. Anyway, uh, and then we're heading out to Nantucket, which is a island in Massachusetts. Uh, it's a really cool little place. Uh, Taylor, uh, my wife, really likes it and... Uh, it's fun. It's a last year we went when Banks was a uh, like a month old, and it was a little overwhelming for me because it was just hot and it was really busy, and I hated being out in the heat with him. And he was fine, but you know, just nervous. But anyway, this year we're gonna go back and have some fun. Uh, this podcast, I wanted to do something a little different, mainly because. Uh, we're heading out and I just didn't, I didn't have any clients this morning. Uh, usually I have clients Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays in my consulting service. So I record and post them, but today I'm going to be answering the listeners questions. You guys, the people who are listening, uh, we have a lot of good ones and I'm going to talk through these things. We're going to go over some and I know it's going to be helpful for you guys. The UK I'm coming in September, all the link, all the information is in the link below. Uh, I know some of you guys who listen to my podcast or watch me on YouTube or follow me on Instagram probably already know and like, okay, yeah, you're coming. I get it. But you would be 
utterly <laughs> surprised how many people daily comment on different videos and different platforms of like, when are you coming to the UK? You should come over to London. <laughs> and I'm like, it is, it's just the world that we live in, you know, with the algorithm and stuff. I post things every day and people see me once a month. So that's why you got to turn on your notifications or sign up for our email newsletter to get notified. But anyway, I am coming to London area next uh, or in September. Really excited to get over there. I hope you guys can make it. Um, last year and the year before were absolutely amazing. So we're going to get rolling. First question comes from Emily Deming. Such a helpful podcast. I have a question on how to train my recent rescue dog, Grohl. He's a large seven to eight-year-old pit mix who has been in and out of the shelter his whole life. He was a foster at my job but wasn't getting adopted due to behavioral issues, and he seems to be good with other dogs until he isn't. It's like a switch just flips. He also is an escape artist and likes to be destructive. I have three other dogs, so he he has his own space and is only around them when we're, he's wearing his muzzle. I've been starting to work on obedience with him and have been interested in starting one of your courses, but I know the main they mainly teach the use of slip lead or other similar tools. Okay. Gruel sadly cannot be walked using a collar. He is believed to have damaged trachea and any amount of pressure put on his neck makes him wheeze or sound awful. How else can I go about training him? I don't know what to use to use for corrections. Any tips would be appreciated. This is a really good question. This episode of the No Bad Dogs podcast is brought to you by my friends at AG1. You guys may or may not know this by now, but I travel quite a bit for work. I'm in airplanes, airports. I have a 10-month-old that's crawling and getting into everything and also isn't sleeping all the way through the night. So my body is pretty fatigued and I'm constantly on the road. I've been taking AG1 for a little over a year now because it's the daily foundational nutrition supplement that literally takes care of everything in my body and I drink it every single morning before I do anything. I have a routine in the morning. I wake up, I do my AG1, slurp that down in a cold glass of water and then I get into my smoothie and my coffee. And to be honest with you guys, I used to have that big pill thing with the Monday through Sunday type jammer with all the different pills in there and AG1 pretty much takes care of all of that and it's really nice because when I'm on the road I can just have the travel packs pop them into my suitcase and I could take AG1 with me on the road and it feels so good to be able to be on the road and continue to start my day with a very healthy start. If you guys are looking for a simpler effective investment for your health Try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. You guys can click the link below or drinkag1.com slash mbd. That's drinkag1.com slash uh, That's why I like doing these questions from you guys. And if you guys are listening to this and you want me to answer your questions, all you have to do is head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review there with your question. And if you're listening to this in Spotify, of course, a review would be more than appreciated. So my answer is, um, my first answer, well, two things is, uh, I know that you don't know for sure that this is his damaged trachea. Some dogs can have really sensitive tracheas and like Lakota has a really sensitive trachea. If you, like when she used to do bite work, when we had PSA groups or when I did PSA with her in the beginning, we'd put a flat collar on her and do agitation work. And she would always like cough and choke and 
whatever. And so she's got a really sensitive trachea and, and that's fine. So some, so my point is, is it kind of sounds like you don't know for sure because he's believed to have damaged trachea, but if you're putting pressure on his throat or his neck with a flat collar or a martingale or a slip, um, then sometimes dogs are just, they have sensitive tracheas, so you don't really know if they have damage. But, but regardless, it, if it's not, if it's something that the dog doesn't do well with, I understand. But I would also just say that the prong collar and the slip collar, if fit properly, it doesn't really go on the trachea at all or give the pressure to trachea. So anytime that I've had a dog, uh, especially smaller dogs that could be susceptible to trachea sensitivities, if you will, I always wear the prong collar properly and it never affects them because it's on their muscles. So I would just argue to not argue, but I would just say, Emily, that dogs who are wearing equipment properly, especially dog collars that have action, such as the slip leash and the prong collar, don't affect the trachea or they shouldn't. So if that prong collar or slip leash is fit properly, it's going to fit right behind the ears and apply pressure to the muscles around the neck to give you that power steering. That's why my no bad dog slip leashes is they are worn a certain way uh, that has the spring loaded stopper. So a lot of stoppers out there on slip leashes are very, uh, they're like leather or they're nylon and they get worn out. And then the slip leash falls down and then it becomes a dangerous or as dangerous as a flat collar when you're training a dog. So that's why mine have the spring loaded slip stopper so it doesn't slide down. And then the plastic pinch collar and the prong collar are both safer collars for this. So that's one piece is I would just say if I worked this dog on a proper prong collar, I would bet like nine times out of 10, like nine, I'm 95% sure that it would have zero effect on this dog's trachea. Zero. Just because I've done it so many times that I've, it, it, a lot of people, A, don't put the prong collar on right, and B, they don't use it right. So anyway, there's that. The other thing I would say is if you're not interested in trying out those different collars that have action, then the next option I would choose is the, is the uh, e-collar. So the e-collar is an amazing tool, obviously. I mean, I'm not going to go down the whole spiel, but there's certain training camps out there that specifically teach dogs how to walk on a leash with the e-collar and that's it, which is, which is great. I find, uh, the e-collar leash train or the e-collar like healing work for dog owners can be somewhat overwhelming. So I don't typically go down that route, but it is amazing. Uh, I had a, a German shepherd in my Los Angeles seminar that we did on tour last year. And it was a giant, giant German Shepherd. He was like 18 months intact, working line, just a beast of a dog. And the owners physically could not handle the dog. The dog overpowered them every time. He lunged and barked, and then they were getting dragged every time. So their prong collar was fit right and everything, and I would be able to work the dog, but he couldn't, they couldn't hold on to the dog physically. So we ended up switching to the to the e-collar, and I did e-collar. So I replaced, and this is what you can do, is you replace your e, uh, your leash correction with the e-collar. 
So when you're popping or you're correcting or when the dog crosses that threshold, you would just use the e-collar as a correction. Again, the only reason why I don't typically go down that route is simply because uh, I do a lot more conditioning on low levels with the e-collar to accumulate some sort of um, communication with the dog before I use it. So anyway, so that's the other thing you can do that is very, very, very effective. And I would just say with any dog that has behavioral issues, the remote collar, like my, I would always say, if I could give you wireless control over a dog, would you would that benefit your life? And if the answer is yes, which I can't see anybody saying, well, not really, then the e-collar is the best way to do that. And it's the most effective tool off-leash, and it's the only tool in the world that gives us an opportunity to communicate with the dog and enforce behaviors, period. Anywhere in the world, Australia, India, Africa, United States, there's nothing else in the world that can hold a dog accountable unless it's force of nature, a car, a cheetah, a lion, a porcupine, a skunk, they can stop dogs off leash, but you can't. And the e-collar is beautiful for that. So that's my answer. Uh, thank you. Next question. This is a three-star review. We love Tom Davis, JPass725. Uh, three-star review out of five, and and that's interesting, but it's okay. I'm not here to, <clears throat> you know, whatever. Um, Tom, your podcast and videos have taught me so much about dog training and understanding my dog better. So maybe that three-star review is just a mistake, uh, cause that kind of means that you halfway enjoy it, but I don't know. I'm hoping you can help me manage my one and a half year old female. She just recently got fixed and she's a working line German shepherd. She is very territorial inside of our home. Outside the home, she is very social and very friendly, but at home she is lunging and barking at visitors. I don't know if she will bite. She has not bitten anyone yet, but still a risk. I'm sorry, still, but it's not a risk I would be willing to take with children's fens who come over often. Right now, I have either put her in her X-Pen, keeping her in a place, or keeping her tethered to me while we have people over, and don't let her interact with guests. I'm trying to muzzle train her as well, so maybe I can give her a little bit more freedom so eventually we can see what her intentions are. Part of the problem has been finding the right strangers to come over to condition her and having these experience often enough to build the expectations through repetition. I guess I just want to know, is there a best way to manage this for long-term success in a way that she can coexist with guests without putting anyone at risk? And with lots of training and counter conditioning and practice, do dogs like this eventually become more neutral? It's a good question. Um, First of all, um, yes and no. Some dogs in my opinion, in my experience, which those two go hand in hand, um, dogs are never going to be silent and calm when somebody comes to the door. I don't care what dog it is. I mean, of course, there's some outliers, dogs who can't hear, uh, dogs who can't get up, dogs who have whatever. But if somebody comes to your door, ding dong, knocks, um, drops a package off, the dog is going to be Uh, there, right? Okay. I'm an alert. Uh, somebody's here. I'm going to let everyone in the house know. So that's never going to go away. So right now, again, you have a one and a half year old German shepherd working line. So her, she has a lot of intensity. Uh, she's going to be naturally protective. She's definitely going to be naturally vocal. So when you think about what a dog does, when somebody comes over, it's being protective and alerting. So that's where that reaction comes in. Hey, somebody's here. 
I'm going to bark at you to scare you. I'm going to bark at you to let you know that I know that you're here. I'm doing my job. I'm checking off the list, so on and so forth. So with that being said, the, the, she's never going to just be like, oh, okay, I don't care. Uh, I don't care about these things. That's not going to happen. But what you could do is you can, um, like you said, kind of finding the right guest. Um, and a lot of times what I do is after the dog is muzzle conditioned, I would get the dog on your training equipment and then have you kind of go up with the dog and the person just say, Hey, just ignore her. And then when that person comes in, you just kind of watch what she does. And if she lunges, you obviously correct her. If she barks, you correct her. You got to teach her how to walk through this path through a safe roadmap. So the more you give her, so you have to be a little bit more assertive. So, excuse me, putting her into a place and putting her into the X-Pen is fine and good. That's what I do with my dog. But she, um, she also will calm down when she goes to the X pen and she goes to or goes to the uh, place. She'll just kind of stay there and uh, it calms down in in, a, in some way. But so you just have to make sure that as you're working through these things with the particular dog, that you're also assertive enough to correct the dog if they you know make mistakes. So that's what I would do. Is after the muzzle conditioning is done. I would put the whatever the prong collar or the leash or whatever you have on and as you go up to greet these people you would correct so you have to be very assertive this is what's appropriate this is what is not appropriate I'm going to correct you when you do this I'm not going to correct you when you do that so you just have to be very assertive and use operant conditioning to teach the dog throughout the process what's appropriate and what's not and then after the dog is muzzle trained again you know I always talk to my clients especially on this podcast like hey basically, okay, somebody comes to the door, bang, 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 bang. Okay, so super, 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 super high distraction. I would argue probably one of the highest distraction for your particular dog. And then you're off leash. So then the next question is, is how good is your off leash control? What are you doing to enforce things? What are you doing to uh, manage the situation as it's happening? Because that is a level three problem. And if your dog isn't a level three dog, you're not going to to be able to complete this. So it'd be like, uh, let's say a kindergartner taking a fifth grade test. Nope. You don't know any of the information. You don't understand the task. You've never studied for it. You've never practiced it. You will fail. So you just have to remind yourself that, that your expectations also have to be very realistic with what you're doing. Because if you set a dog up for Again, hey, we're about to take this test that you're not prepared for and they fail. You're going to be sitting there scratching your head for the rest of your life, going through trainer after trainer after trainer, when the reality is is you're just asking your dog to do something that they can't capable, they're not capable of doing, and that's really important for you. So anyway, um, that's my answer for that. Um, hopefully that is helpful. Hopefully um, that's beneficial for you. And, uh, yeah, um, but, you know, finding the right people, you know, to, to me, it's just like with kids and stuff. Um, I, I just a big dog, big, aggressive dog like that. And when I mean aggressive, just big, like, it, you know, dogs that are aggressive do, doesn't have to be mean. Like my, you know, if I have a St. Bernard, and he goes over and plows somebody over. That's aggressive. I mean, he's like a football player. Boom. You know, he's big. He doesn't know where his body's at. Um you know, they're strong, they're powerful, they flap their tail and three glasses fall over. It's just aggressive, just like, man, you're rough. So, um, you know, don't, don't, again, like you have to be realistic. Even if she was the most friendly dog in the world, would you still want her 
carrying on with all the kids, you know, where they're trying to play and have fun and be a kid and run around and scream and be obnoxious and whatever kids do. Do you want your dog constantly policing that or being involved with that? Because some kids just have, they're terrified of dogs and it just, you know, it's not a good experience. So for me, if, you know, when Banks grows up and if, and when we have other kids and I know that we're going to have other dogs in the future, if I have kids over, my dogs are just going to go in my yard or in another room because I don't want to have to worry about Again, not necessarily uh, a dog being aggressive, but there's just a lot of variables, right, that, that goes on. So anyway, okay, uh, good question. Next one comes from Olson Doghouse, five-star review, love the podcast. This podcast has given us the tools that we need to continue to learn to communicate with our two dogs, Labrador and Lab Mix. Thank you so much. My question is, what kind of dental care should we be investing in with our dogs? In the raw food episode, there was something mentioned about soft bones, but I couldn't seem to find anything like that out there. It's a good question. So if you haven't listened to my podcast with Frank, to be completely honest with you guys, it's probably one of the my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Um, the only reason why... I, well, I shouldn't say this, but I think some people may not be likely to click on it because it says like crazy canine handler life. This is an individual who's been working with dogs professionally for 50 plus years. He's been doing it his whole life. And uh, if you haven't listened to that podcast, again, it's probably one of the most beneficial podcasts you'll listen to. Probably, I would say the most entertaining podcast that you'll listen to that I've ever done. Uh, so don't be thrown off by the military stuff because it's just what he has done in the past 25 years ago. He also, he also owns his own raw food company and we talk about a lot of nutrition. So <clears throat> anyway... Um, and, and the other thing I will point out because the podcast is a place that I can kind of vent to, uh, I had a, I had an individual in particular say, Hey Tom, I love your dog training, but leave the nutrition to the professionals, which I agree. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell people, uh, everything that they should do, except I just tell people about my experiences with raw food. And I had a professional on that created his raw food with seasoned, well-known, super, super high end vets and doctors. Um, and so he, he was on, he owns a raw food company. And so I was kind of confused because I did this podcast with this professional to talk to you guys, my audience about how to do things and why it's, why it's beneficial for some dogs. And if anybody's interested in doing it, how to start and things like that. And somebody was like, you should leave it to the pros. And I'm sitting there thinking like, I'm talking to a very, very high-end professional, specifically an expert in this field, and has been working with doctors to develop his nutritional plan for his food for a decade. So I was just scratching my head about that as I'm like, you know, you can't win, right? I'm out here trying to do a podcast to help other people understand if they're interested. If you're not interested, fine. That's totally fine. I don't care. Just people are always like, hey, what's good? What's beneficial? What's good for you? I'm like, hey, this has been life-changing for me and my dogs. You know, and, I, and so anyway, I just wanted to point that out that, you know, I have people on, I don't overstep my boundaries. I'm an expert in dog behavior and I kind of stay in that lane. But when I do have people on my podcast to talk about other things in the dog space, because they're experts, that's going to be allowed to, to happen <laughs> anyway. So when we talk about dental health, uh, periodontal disease is something that I used to be a pet tech certified instructor. So I used to teach a uh, pet CPR and first aid course for many, 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 many years before I was a dog trainer. That's where I got my licks at like presenting information to large groups all over the country about dogs. Uh, and I did that for years. This is when I was like 21, 22. Anyway, 
talked about periodontal disease. Obviously, it's like gum disease and uh, all sorts of different things with the mouth. And the mouth, your mouth health is very important, especially for dogs and with humans. But um, so there's the so there's soft bones. So the soft bones. If you go back and listen to that podcast, Frank actually talks about what the soft bones are. And uh, I can't remember exactly what part of the cow the soft bones come from. But if you go back and listen to that podcast, he tells you specifically what the cut is um, that you can go and ask, ask the butcher for. If you go to a local butcher or maybe even a bigger supermarket, you might be able to ask for these things. Um, and if you live in the upstate New York or western New York area, uh, the Roganics company actually sells these soft bones in big bags. They are like the best thing for dogs' teeth because it cleans them very naturally. Uh, there's also all sorts of different things like greenies have been proven over time to have just like a, a, a crazy amount of chemicals and just it's more it's be, it's worse for your dog than than better because it's like highly compressed. Uh, chemicals and all these different things so you try to want to go as natural as possible without causing any damage to your dog's teeth as well so my recommendation long term um, is to find the bones that we talked about in that podcast and I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what they were but uh, I have them in my mm, what the heck were they they weren't maybe they were femur I, I said I think I said they were femur but but femur maybe wrong. I don't know. Just my suggestion is go back to that podcast and listen to exactly what he uses for his uh, soft bones, because that's been the best for my dog's teeth. Like I've ever used, like they eat one of those and you can see a difference as long as it's not too far gone. Uh, it just like they puncture this soft bone and then they, it comes out and just kind of scrubs their teeth and it has meat on it. So it's like really, it keeps them busy. So again, I'll stay in my lane. <laughs> I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they are, uh, but in that podcast, he tells you specifically exactly what they are. So I'd go back and check that out. I'm sorry, I couldn't be more uh, defined on that. All right, next question comes from Sam B. Roche. Uh, uh, kind of a follow-up question, five-star review. Thank you. First of all, Tom's content is top-notch, and I recommended him to all my friends and family who need help with their handling of developing a relationship with their dog. Well, thank you very much. That means the world to me. Anybody opening their mouth to, to drop my name, to help other people, to spread the no bad dog message, is my people. You're my people. I appreciate you a lot. I recently wrote in about a question about a two month, oh, uh, two months ago about my dog being selective. We recently adopted a four month old golden slash Irish setter. He's pretty rocky to start his life and he was hospitalized for almost a week. So I've been working on his confidence and just letting him unwind and letting him be a dog. I've had him for almost a month now, and he's almost five months. My Aussie is e-collar trained, and I plan on training this puppy on the e-collar as well for his recall. What's a good in, What's a good age to introduce the remote collar? A good age to introduce the remote collar is once the dog understands fundamentally all the basics that you're going to be layering in the remote collar with. The e-collar and the remote collar introduction and the way that I do it is introduced and combed in with basic obedience so the dog understands very clearly what the e-collar is and using that negative reinforcement to teach the dog how to use that pressure. Would you recommend a young puppy who's still building confidence? Yeah, the confidence uh, comes great with an e-collar. Building confidence uh, has a lot to do with the e-collar. It's, it's a great opportunity for a dog to do something and then something to happen. That's what confidence is. They have they, they do something behaviorally and then boom, something happens. 
which is nice. So, um, so, so there's that. I mean, again, like typically dogs don't understand all the things that they need to do until six months. Um, but it depends on the dog. It depends on the handler. It depends on the behavior and the personality of a dog. Uh, I've gone over this several times, but I'll answer it here. So, um, should I be do- introducing the e-collar differently if I'm only planning on using it for recall, not corrections? Well, that, <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me because if you're introducing for the recall and your dog doesn't come back, you will, and of course, the reason why we use the remote collar and why it's so unbelievably successful for your dog off leash is because it gives you the opportunity to actually correct your dog off leash where nothing else in the world does. So uh, that's kind of a loaded question there because, of course, the point of using the remote collar is uh, to be able to control your dog if they don't listen and they're off-leash enjoying their life. So I would just throw that out there. And can I add it using corrections later on? Yes, that's the point of the remote collar. Um, so it's a great question, and um, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, Okay, cool. All right, we're going to end it there. And I truly do believe that these podcasts get the most views and listens, uh, it seems. So I might do another one of these this week uh, just because I have, t- I have to catch up on a lot of questions. And um, if you guys have specific questions and you want me to answer them, please write into the show by going onto the iTunes review chart and leave your question in the review. And I'll answer it likely uh, next episode. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate everyone out there uh, for the love and support in this No Bad Dog community. It's something special and it's something different from anything else that I've seen in the community uh, in the dog space. So you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.